have spent the last few weeks, if you were not here or if you were like me and you don't remember yesterday, we spent the last few weeks talking about relationships. And I should say my last few times that I've spoken, it actually goes back more than two weeks. So a couple weeks ago we talked about, or my first time I spoke in relationships, we talked about the idea, uh, let's go ahead and pop up the first side there, Mike. Philippians 2, 3. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves in relationships, that there is value. We need to look at others having value, maybe with a significance more than us, or definitely with a significance maybe more than us. You feel like I have that word maybe in there? <laughs> but I do want to be, there's a wise portion of this, so we're going to get to that, that maybe piece later. In Proverbs 18, 24, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. We talked about that. If we want to be in a positive relationship, to be in a relationship with friends, we have to be friendly. If we're, if we're ornery or crabby, it's very difficult to have a positive relationship. Would you agree? Yes. Solomon said this over 3,000 years ago, and it was wise then. It's wise today if we want friends. So this means the burden of the relationship is on us. The burden of a relationship isn't on somebody else. The burden of a relationship is on us. Then we last Sunday, we, we peeled it down a little bit. We looked at the relationship between us and the Lord. And first, we looked at man or Adam was made. He was made to have a relationship with God. They would walk in the garden every day. God would bring him animals and then let Adam name the animals, and God would endorse that name. Okay, that's a good name, Adam. You call it a camel, I'll call it a camel. We talked about the fact that man was made for relationship with God. Our relationship with God is first and foremost. It was a design element to us. We talked about how it was God's own idea that man should have a human relationship. It wasn't man's idea. You know, God, I think I need somebody here. I really need a friend. It was God's idea. So not only were we made to have a relationship with him, we were put in a way that we need to have a relationship with other people. So God saw the idea, and he did something about it. Isn't it great? You know those commercials where somebody will have a, you know, this man standing, there's a bank robbery going on. And this man standing in the bank lobby, he's got a security uniform on, and he said, oh, no, I just notify you when there's a robbery. You know, I don't do anything about it. Have you seen these commercials? It's, you know, God going, oh, yes, you need to have somebody with you. huh?" He did something about it. He made, he made Eve. And finally, we're going to look at a verse for this next one. We see this third point we went over last week, Genesis 3, 6, so... Uh, when the woman, when Eve saw that the tree was good for food, as the devil's been tempting her, tempting, 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 she sees the tree is good for food, it was a delight to the eyes, and this is the same tree that God said don't eat it, and that the tree was desired to make one wise. She went and she took the food after that. She looked for satisfaction away from what God provided. And that in our relationship with God is bad. And that's what Eve took. That's what she bit. <laughs> she, she took that away from God. She, she was no longer satisfied with what God had. To me, that is a big crux of all of our problems, when people chase what they think God's not providing. You know, I've got all this whole garden around me and all this delicious food, but, oh, this one might be better. So God doesn't know it, but I, I'm going to go ahead and just have this because I'm sure it's better. So we talked about that last week. So here we are this week. That is our review. Are we all on the same page? Relationships are important. They're up to us. We are made for relationships with God. First and foremost, we were made for relationships with others. We shouldn't look away from what God has designed. And now, this morning, 
we're going to look at relationships of another type. Another type. So we're going to read a verse in just a minute. This is not a long message this morning, but I think it's a very, very deep message. So we're going to look at a verse in just a minute, but I want to set the backdrop. Have you ever... Have you ever listened to an ex, you heard somebody's cell phone? Or how many of you have cell phone ringers that are a portion of a song? So, okay, a number, and we've all heard that. We'll, we'll be next to somebody's cell phone, and a part of a song will go off. And they're usually very popular songs, but it's just a sliver of the song. It's not the whole three-minute or four-minute or five-minute song or whatever it is. It's a sliver of the song that we'll hear. But if we sit down, if we were listening to the whole song, sometimes it's a different message. I remember it's, there's a, there was a song in the 80s, some of you remember this, uh, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. It's a really mellow song, and right toward the end of the song, all of a sudden there's a big drum line in the song. Everybody knows that if you know the song, you know the drum line. And if, if we had just that song, just that portion of the drum line on our phone ringer, we go, oh, okay, this guy's playing the drums. But when you listen to the whole song, by the time it builds to the drum line, it's the key to the song. You with me? Or what about this? Have you ever looked at a story and read the abridged version? But when you go back and read the actual whole version, the whole version is so much more. So when we look at this passage today, I want to look at the whole. I don't want to look at the verse. Most times when there's a good message or a good teaching, we look at a verse. I want to look at a whole, but we're not going to read three chapters today. That would be a message unto itself to read three chapters. So I want to look at the whole, and I want to look at what Jesus was getting at in his last days. So at the start of this particular chapter, we're not ready for the verse yet, but at the start of the particular chapter, they wake up, Jesus and the disciples, and Jesus, he knows that his end is near. So he washes, knowing the end is near, the Bible says, knowing the end is near, he decides to wash the disciples' feet. It's an epic story. Jesus is going around washing everybody's feet. And they're saying, what are you doing washing our feet? And we've, this is a well-known passage where Jesus is washing feet. And then from there, he goes, it's a holiday. So imagine he's going to a holiday dinner. Imagine going to a Thanksgiving dinner. In this case, it's Passover. But it's a, this is a big event. A Passover dinner is a big deal. So he goes from washing the feet, and he, they, he goes to a place, and now there's a, 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 a big event, a, a holiday dinner. And at this holiday dinner, he has he discussed this idea of the Last Supper. This is the first the first we start to think about when we think of the Last Supper. And it's really part of this Passover event. But from after that that Last Supper discussion, he goes straight away into a discussion that somebody is going to betray him. And Judas gets up and he leaves the room to go do his dirty work. Now they finish the meal. This is what a dramatic time frame this is for us. This is a busy time frame with Jesus and the disciples. So Judas leaves the room, and it's after food discussion. Do you know those times in the holidays where you've got, you're all done eating, and you sit back at the table, you're satisfied, and you talk like friends, close friends, or family? And sometimes you can have real discussions about stuff. You know what I'm talking about, the after-dinner discussions? Well, that's what's happening here. Jesus is having an after-dinner discussion. And they're sitting back at the table, and Judas is gone. The traitor is gone from the room. It's Jesus and the eleven. 
I don't know if Mary's there. You know, one of the last words that's not all Bibles capture, the final words of Jesus when he said, hey, if you want to be in the picture, sit in this side of the table with me. But they're at the table. Jesus goes on, and he, boy, does he lay the doctrine on. Man, does he lay it. The Many of the commentaries and the scholars, uh, historical scholars, they call this Jesus' dying words because this is one of his last chances. So he is cramming information in to these last 11 disciples. He's cramming it in. After that kind of a day, he's, he's still got so much to say. So one of the first things he says is this. All right, let's go, Mike. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Who is he speaking to? Believers, disciples. He's not speaking to the whole world. He's talking to his close guys. The close guys here. And he's saying this, I, just as I've loved you, I'm giving you a commandment. You love everybody. You love each other. And he's talking about loving each other. Disciples, loving disciples. This is an important thing. So then Jesus goes on. He's not done here. He goes on for a chapter and a half, and he says other things. I'm going to tell you what he says. Hold on. All right, then Jesus goes on to tell them about the fact that Peter is going to deny him three times. This is right after this. People are going to deny me. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. That he, that Jesus is going to prepare a place for them. This is a heavy thing. I mean, there's, whole, there's been books written just on that. He's, where, what does it mean, a place? Where's the place going to be? What will the place look like? So he talks about that. Jesus says that God the Father is revealed through Jesus. He says that. He says that they, the disciples, can do greater than what Jesus did. This is, a, I mean, this is quite a discussion, don't you think? These are big things he's cramming into this after-dinner discussion. He describes the union, the relationship between him and the others. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He gives us that illustration. He talks about the Holy Spirit that's coming. I'm sending something for you, a comforter. He's talking about this. This is all right in this after-dinner discussion. In my opinion, this is just my opinion. This is not uh, anywhere, but I believe, I believe that this after-dinner discussion, this meal and discussion, was the single greatest day of doctrine that we have in the New Covenant for a day. Everything that comes out in that day, and that tremendous. But then toward the end of this, he says something again. He says all this stuff, and he, he repeats himself. John 15, now this is a chapter and a half later. Go ahead, Mike. John 15. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He said it again. After all this stuff, he's going back. Greater love hath no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. These things I command you, that you love one another. These things is the stuff from the preceding chapter and a half. And then some stuff that came after. But that you love one another. Hey, disciples, you love one another. All right. It must be important. He said it twice. He said it clearly, and he gave it a commandment direction. It's not an option. He didn't say, I hope that you people get along. He said, love one another. And this love isn't agape love. It doesn't mean we're all going to be 
uh, palsy wowsy he's saying, but what I want is you to esteem one another and get out there and encourage each other, and it's an active, deliberate, intentional relationship with each other. A good thing. Do it. There's a brotherly love. You can get along with somebody, but then there's this greater agape love, and that's what you've got to do. You've got to do what he says. This is important. Did you ever... Did you, ever, did you ever think of McDonald's as a whole? I'm going to challenge you now. Think of McDonald's. Think of that big golden arch. Okay, you got the arch in your head? What do you think of when you think of McDonald's? Somebody just say a word. Just give me a word across the room. Go ahead. When you think of McDonald's. Big Mac. Big Mac. What, what do you think of? French fries. Big Macs. Ronald McDonald. Grease. That's a good one. That's true, Greece. So for the most part, what do we do? We go straight to this thing, straight to this idea of McDonald's being like, we think of their food. They've done a good job over these years of, of getting their food embedded in us. Even if we don't eat at McDonald's, we understand what a Big Mac is. We understand that there's grease there. When you think of Google, Google, what do you think of? One word, one word. Information. What else? Knowledge. Information. What else? Engine. Website. This is a place, when it's Google, they've done an excellent job telling us that if we want to know something, we just go to Google. We have Google as part of our language. I'm going to Google that. We treat it as an adjective or a verb or whatever those parts of speech are. We, we do, do this. By the way, I didn't do all that great in high school either. What about the Green Bay Packers? One word. Okay, I have no idea what you said. One word. One word. Winning. Winning. Lombardi. Champions. Title Town, right? These are the play when the Green Bay Packers, that's what we think of. We have a legacy of here of the Packers doing very well. When we think of the Packers, this is, we think of these things. When Jesus said this, and, and he repeated himself how important love is, he was really making a statement. And I'm going to go back. We're going to read what we read before, except this time we're going to read the very next verse. And I want you to think of this love as more than just a command, okay? Let's go ahead, Mike. Oh, you got it. All right. New commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. Now this next verse. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Disciples love disciples. If you love other disciples then everybody's going to know that you are my disciples. Everybody's going to know my brand. It's no different than Google. When we thought of Google, we said, well, knowledge, search engine, information. It's no different than McDonald's, Big Mac, Grease. It's no different than the Packers. Those are brands. It's a story. It's not just a logo. It's a story. What do people think of? What do people think of when they think of believers, when they think of Christians? If people don't know Christians, they say, oh, man. And a lot of times they talk about they're the crazy ones. They're the crazy right wing, or they're the crazy people who do this, or they've got their own agenda. And right away they go straight to this, this place. But Jesus said, not only I mean, in his dying speech, 
Multiple times he talked about this commandment of love, but he said people will know. It is a brand. It's a personal mark. If we love each other. Now, in this congregation, we've got a good thing going. We do care about each other very much. I believe that. And we're all working through these things. You know, if somebody says something to you, we go work it out. Somebody else says, you say something to them, and we work it out. If, it, if it's offensive, we try to work these things out. We know that we're not perfect, and we know this here. This is our, our body culture. But what I'm talking about is the greater body of believers all around. It's amazing how critical they are of each other. Amazing. How somebody at this congregation of believers, born again, can be so critical of this congregation of believers, born again. How can that be? Because the world sees it. They know. They know. But I thought they were Christians. They're arguing with each other. Now, right now in the world, we have a horrible, a horrible problem with Muslims. They kill Muslims. Watching in the news is crazy. There'll be a, a bomb blast in Istanbul. Kills 50, 60, 70, whatever it is. It's terrible. It happened a couple weeks ago. It was a murder bomber. I don't know why we call them suicide bombers in the news, because there's nothing honorable about it. Suicide's a terrible death anyway. But anyway, these bombers, Muslim, goes up, blows up more Muslims. Because they're making a statement. They don't like that kind of Muslim. Isn't that terrible? They're Sunnis and they're Shiites, and they both follow Sharia law. But how they define that Sharia law is why they kill each other. And then there's factions within the Sunnis and there's factions within the Shiites. So they all disagree with each other about all kinds of things. And they're that one militant group will go and they'll kill each other about it. Like, what are you doing? We don't understand this very well, do we? It's crazy. But you know, in America, doesn't it seem like so many congregations are doing that to each other verbally? It does. Oh, those people over there. Oh, those people over there. I don't understand. I don't understand why we do this. When we read the passage about disciples, it's not just those in your own congregation. It's all disciples. We're supposed to be known. It's supposed to be our brand. If we are flowing well in in support of each other. And I know that people will look at the scriptures differently. I understand that. Not everybody's perfect like us. <laughs> I know that they'll look differently at scriptures. But you know, we're supposed to love right on over that. Let the Holy Spirit draw and correct to his word. It is not our job to crack skulls over the word. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy thing. If we would do this, if we would let the Holy Spirit do his work instead of us trying to get militant over other believers, we would have a much different reputation in the world. That's pretty good. But this is what we're known for. I used to work, when I worked just recently, when I stopped working at my corporate job, the, uh, I would watch in the news, there'd be something in the news, you know, and the, the non-believers that I work with would say, Ah, oh, did you hear about those Christians, what they did today? Oh, great. Here we go. So I learned to develop a story. I developed my own elevator speech for people when they challenge me about this stuff. And here it is. You ready? I would say this. Man, they make me look bad. <laughs> I'm just trying. 
I don't want to be criticizing anybody. I wish they wouldn't have said that. I wish they wouldn't have done that. And that's the closest I could say. But I think it's horrible when people from one congregation are blasting another congregation. I don't understand it. It's someday, you know, I'm going to use my family. There are four siblings. We never argue. (laughs) We never disagree. I'm kidding. Four siblings argue and disagree. That's what you do. Amen? Amen. You have your own siblings. How many of you have siblings? And they're always wrong, aren't they? (laughs) Always. That is what siblings do. They, they, They argue with each other when they're young, when they're middle, when they're adult. Whatever it is, they argue. And this is what they do. But a good mother mother and a good father, what do they do? Get along with your sister. Get along with your brother. Isn't that true? I suppose every now and then they may say, okay, five bucks says you're going to beat him up in a fight. No, they don't say that. Good parents want their families to get along. Jesus said, love each other. Get along. And, you know, our model, this is the amazing thing. I believe, this is, I believe that believers undervalue relationships. I believe we undervalue the impact. We undervalue the example of them. We undervalue what they mean in the world. We were made for relationship with God. Then he gave us somebody to have a relationship with in the natural. And then he gave us the word so we could walk in continual relationship. He gave us examples of men and women in the word that we can have good examples of relationships. Jesus came and he physically showed us how to have perfect relationships. He physically went all the way. He died for relationships. In the end times, we have the bride of Christ. That's relationship. Everything is relationship based, the whole word. Matthew 18 talks about how to handle a relationship if you have a disagreement with a believer. Corinthians talks about if you have a disagreement with a believer, don't sue them. Work it out. Go to the church. Because we have a process in Matthew 18 for relationship with a believer, for disagreements. It's an amazing, amazing thing, this idea of relationships. So for us to, not just, I'm talking about the bod, the greater connection of believers. It's amazing to believe that the greater, that we think that God's going to be happy with us if we disregard relationships. He goes through all that effort to talk about the value of relationships and to teach us and to use them as examples. Why would we think we can disregard them? I don't like that church. I don't like the way they do this or do that. No. He said, go above that. In fact, we see a great example of it with Paul. I mean, Paul's out there trying to lead people to the Lord, do his apostolic thing, and Apollos is doing whatever he's doing, and then people start picking sides. You for this guy, you for this guy. Paul's response is wonderful. He said, what do you mean you for this guy, for this guy? People are getting saved. Back off. Who cares you for this church, for this church? Are they getting saved? They come into faith? Back off. It's okay. The Holy Spirit takes care of the dirty work. Or my brother Joe will. The Lord is uh, very, very good about our relationships. He is faithful in our relationship to him, and I believe he wants us to be faithful in our relationships to each other. Just as much as we're faithful to him, because how can we have one with him if we don't care about his family? 
So he gives us all kinds of scriptures through the Bible. You know, collecting all of the verses that talk about relationships between believers. I'm talking about between believers now. I'm not talking about with non-believers. But if we look at the scriptures between believers, we would be here for many, many hours. I've got just a few. Okay, Mike. Romans 10, 12. Outdo one another in love. You do a good thing for me, I'm going to do more. Oh, yeah, I see your love and I raise it. Outdo it. Make it a good, healthy, fun competition. Outdo it. James 4, 11 through 12. Do not speak evil about one another. I tell you, that congregation on the road. What are you doing? Ephesians 4, 32. Forgive one another. Sometimes just have grace or sometimes just have mercy. Whatever the three you choose, we got to do it. 1 Peter 4, 9 through 10. Be hospitable, no grumbling, and minister to each other. No grumbling. That's kind of the key there. A lot of people be hospitable. So, oh, no, come on over. You, you, you had dinner at my house. I can't believe they want to come to our house. Can you believe that? No, it's all great to have you. Can you really believe that? I don't want to think after what they said last week. You know, I, I tell you, this is, a, this is what's fun about this is if you're a parent of a young child, because your young child will probably at some point have a disagreement with another young child here. That's what young children do. They're learning how to socialize. And it's, it's been interesting to me to watch young parents, including myself when my children were young, how we would process this stuff, how we would handle it. Little Billy bites little Susie. Well, we all know that little Billy's stupid. <laughs> no, but you know, sometimes parents, they get mad at each other because of their children. Instead of just coming together, this could, you know, be hospitable, no grumbling, forgive. We've got to teach these little kids how to do it. Not just our children, but remember, it's a brand. We teach all of our children how to get along. In 1 Corinthians 13, I didn't write this, all these things down. This is a well-known set of scriptures or verses. It's a whole chapter that talks about the elements of agape love, patient, kind, no self-agenda. Not jealous, not boastful, these sorts of things. If you can't quite recall what they are, please read them. So, we've got just a few directions on how to agape love, or how to love each other, and build a community of good reputation in the world. Because when we do our part, everybody else is their part, all of a sudden we have a wonderful reputation in the world. People will be drawn to a place that they're loved. People will leave the places that they hate. If they think that we really do care about each other, and we're not perfect, we're going to disagree, but if we figure it out, they'll be drawn just by us figuring it out. Isn't that amazing? All we have to do is get along, and people will be drawn to it. You know, it's this concept that makes somebody leaving the church so difficult. If a church gets along, if a, if a body of believers gets along and they're tight and cohesive and somebody leaves and that getting along stops in their life, in other words, they're taken away from that good relationship, it gets lonely out there. That's the element of scriptures. If somebody walks from God, it can be very lonely in the world. The Bible says that they would come back and miss what they had. That is a draw. And it's a draw for the world. People who are going through hard times, they want community. 
And I mean a right standing community before God, walking in God's ways, God's word, because his testimony is always true, and he will always take care of us. Now, they may not understand that, but we can sure show them that. I thank God regularly for you. I am blessed to death by our congregation. I mean, I am big time blessed. I think about you. I pray for you by names. I go through in my head, pray for this person, this person, this person. I've opened the directory, pray for this person, this person, this person. And I am blessed to come back together. So we've got a doubt. We understand it here. We understand that we don't have the luxury of not liking anybody. We got to get along with everybody and then some. And this means people across the street, over there, down there, over there, over there, Madison, Des Moines, not Chicago, <laughs> but everywhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Pastor Mike's wife is from Illinois, so <laughs> she's, anyhow, Chicago. Yeah, just evidence that God delivers. Amen. Oh. So if you would, please stand up. Let's pray. Lord God, you, you gave us this model of relationship. And you apply it. We can apply it in different ways in marriages and families and sons, daughters, uh, siblings. But certainly in your body, Lord God, this model of relationship in your body, you say love each other. And it's not an option, God. It's a command. Spirit, teach us to continue to grow in this, with us in this house, and then with us as we support the greater community of believers. Lord, teach us how to grow. Teach us how to look past what you're doing, Spirit, because we know you're doing some of this work. We need to stay out of your way. Teach us to where to apply love. We're so blessed that you love us. We're so blessed that you have been that model for us. We thank you for that. We thank you for the hope that we have in you, always the hope in you. Lord God, we pray for a greater growth in this congregation in this. Bless everybody here, Lord, in this week. Keep safe. Bring them back next week, Lord God. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name.